Join us now on The Collector Show with Harold Nickel. And it is The Collector Show for another week. I'm Harold Nickel, your host. Thanks for joining us. Coming up in the interview segment of the show, Barbie. 50 years of Barbie this year, 2009. Barbie was invented in 1959, and our resident expert on found collectibles, Heather Gallegos, has taken off her found collectible hat this week and helps us explore the world of collecting Barbie, all coming up in the interview segment. But first, of course, news from the world of collecting. This is an interesting item. If you're familiar with trading baseball cards, you know about upper deck cards. Well, the people at Upper Deck took a selection of Ken Griffey Jr. cards that were autographed by Ken Griffey Jr., future Hall of Famer Ken Griffey Jr., I might add, and inserted them randomly into packs in 2006. Well, somebody found one and decided it would be a good idea to auction the card off on eBay. The asking price for the autographed rookie card of Ken Griffey Jr. was $1 million dollars. There were 23 offers made on the card, but nobody offered a million dollars. And so the auction was unsuccessful. The person who owned the card did not make any money. Now, here's the lesson to be learned about this. The card's book price, an autographed Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, is $4,000. It's not a million-dollar item. So if you can have a nice payday with an item like that, and make $4,000 for something that you just found randomly, take the money. <laughs> Don't get greedy. It's not a million-dollar item. And in an economy like the one we have today, no one is going to spend a million dollars on a baseball card, not if they can get it for far less. So a lot of savvy baseball card collectors and autograph collectors out there knew better than to spend a million dollars on that item. Switching gears now. To the world of car collecting. There's a terrific collection of automobiles up in Washington. In fact, it's in the Tacoma area. It is America's Car Museum, LeMay, and part of the most extensive collection of automobiles, and not just automobiles, but automobile memorabilia, including, here to come shortly, the world's biggest collection of gasoline pumps. So if you are in the U.S. Pacific Northwest, you're interested in collecting automobiles or things that have to do with the history of the automobile here in North America, visit LeMay, America's Car Museum, just near Tacoma, to see displays of old cars, but more than that, reenactments of traffic jams with a lot of old cars. But I thought most intriguing was the collection of old gasoline pumps. And I'm old enough to remember when somebody would actually come out and fill your car up for you from one of those gasoline pumps. Of course, those days are over. And now I have to get out into the rain and snow and fill my own car up. What, a, what an age we live in, huh? All right, another item from the world of motorized collecting, but this is from the Twin Cities, and it's a story that was published on TwinCities.com. And some people collect stamps, but Kevin Cronlin collects tanks. And I'm not talking about fuel tanks or water tanks. I'm talking about military 
tanks from the Second World War. And the story reads that if we ever have to fight World War II again, Kevin Cronlin is ready as he has saved the wheels that helped save democracy. He lives in northern Wisconsin and is a cranberry farmer. And he has collected over 80 vehicles that he keeps on his farm that were dropped by parachute behind enemy lines during the D-Day invasion. He has tanks. He has what was known as a tank retriever, which is like a wrecker for uh, for tanks. He has motorcycles, ambulances, giant aircraft spotlights that can light up the sky to help find, find uh, bombers that are attacking. He has all of it, and it all runs. He's a 51-year-old man, and like a lot of people, he just started collecting stuff until his hobby got completely out of hand. He is a member of the Minnesota-based Red Bull Historic Military Vehicle Association, which has about 150 members, and the Red Arrow Military Vehicle Preservation Group of Wisconsin. It has about 100 members. Those organizations, in turn, are part of a U.S. Sorry, a U.S.-based network of collectors, restorers, and fans of antique military hardware called the Military Vehicle Preservation Association. It has about 10,000 members worldwide. For many, membership in the Olive Drab Sheet Metal Fraternity, participants tend to be middle-aged guys, and they start by collecting a single Jeep. And then, as you can read in TwinCities.com, things get completely out of hand, and it has pictures of 50 caliber anti-aircraft bullets that he keeps around. I'm not sure that's a good idea. He has anti-aircraft guns. He has all of the uh, uniforms, patches, and things that go with him. So I guess farming, particularly cranberry farming, is pretty seasonal. And so uh, in the off-season, he has the chance to expand his collection of military vehicles. That's kind of a fun thing to do. I don't have space for that, and I don't think... uh, I don't think anybody that lives around here would sit still for for that. I have enough problems with uh, collecting baseball cards and Christmas ornaments and all kinds of other stuff that I come across in my travels. So that's the news from the world of collecting for another week here on The Collector Show. Stay tuned for our friend Heather Gallegos, who's going to talk to us about Barbie. Coming up next on The Collector Show, it's webtalkradio.net. Fifty years of Barbie is an anniversary we want to commemorate here on the Collector Show this week, and for an extended period of time, instead of the usual five to seven minutes, we're going to devote the entire program to talking with our friend Heather Gallegos about Barbie. And Heather, welcome to the Collector Show. Thank you, Harold. And thank you so much for stepping up and providing us with a lot of information about one of the real hallmarks and toys of all times and something that really has in, impacted our culture considerably, Barbie. Absolutely. Barbie is an icon. Now, obviously I was never I was never a little girl. And, it, and as far as anybody listening to this program knows, I never played with Barbie. There you go. So when you were a kid, did you have Barbies? Oh, I had so many Barbies. I adored Barbie as a child. My first Barbie I got when I was six years old, Mm -hmm. and I got her at Christmas, Mm -hmm. and it was Malibu Barbie. Now, what, I mean, I have zero background in this, so indulge me. What was the appeal? It just, Barbie, it kind of is that American girl dream Mm -hmm. realized, right? She's 
beautiful, long blonde hair, big blue eyes, mm-hmm. and she has this great life. Right. She's a model. Right? right. So she just, I think as a little girl, you could really put yourself in her shoes and say, oh, what if, right? Yeah. You could look at the Dream House or the Barbie Corvette, all of which I had, <laughs> and just really live that life, even though you're a little girl growing up in the Midwest. <laughs> right. <laughs> No dream of that happening for you, but it just, it was, it was, it's a lifestyle and just, I don't know, a little fantasy for little girls. Okay. Now, I want to get into uh, feminism and Barbie here a little bit later on, but tell us about how Barbie started. Well, Barbie started in 1959. Mm-hmm. This is actually, as you said, the 50 year anniversary or right. birthday for Barbie. Happy birthday. That's right. Well, we just missed her birthday. Her birthday was March the 9th. Oh. That's her official birthday when okay. she was introduced at the New York Annual Toy Fair by both um, the Handlers, who are the founders of Mattel. Okay. And Ruth Handler was watching her daughter play with paper dolls Mm -hmm. when she was young, a little girl. And what she realized was that there were no three-dimensional teenage dolls on the market at that time. Okay. So she had saw a doll that was being um, produced in Germany that was a three-dimensional adult type of doll. Okay. And the Mattels wound up buying the rights to that doll and then making a few mod- modifications and making her here in the United States. And like I said, Barbie was launched at that toy fair in New York in 1959. Now, was Barbie immediately a hit? Not really. She wasn't. There was there was some concerns. Um, <laughs> I mean, Barbie came complete with, you know, anatomically correct features oh, yeah. at that time. And so there was some concerns. Um, but they modified things, and, and she did pick up relatively quickly. Okay. I remember, I mean, I, my sister, who is younger than I am, had, mm-hmm. had Barbie, and her sister, Skipper. Oh. Well, did you know that there's not just one sister? Oh, no. I did At, not know that. I know. Everybody kind of thinks Skipper, who was introduced in 1964, was the sister. But there were several sisters. Okay. There was a Tootie. And she was introduced in 1966. Right. And then a Stacy, who was introduced in 1992. Kelly, introduced in 1995. And then Chrissy in 1999. Quite a big family. Well, there's also a brother. A long-forgotten brother. Wow. His, his name is Todd, and he was introduced in 1966. His name's not Todd. It is. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and there are two cousins. Barbie has quite the family. I guess. I know. Francie is the cousin who was introduced in 1966, and then uh-huh. Jazzy was introduced in 1989. So if anyone's collecting, look for those dolls as well. Okay. Because then you'd have the whole Barbie family tree. Now, I know you went and visited the uh, Barbie's Collectors there website. There is an official Mattel Collector site, and it is called BarbieCollector.com. And that site is a wealth of information for anyone who is collecting Barbies. Okay. There's a fan club, which is great because then they keep you up to date on new dolls that are coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bulletin board, so you can post your own thoughts on Barbie. There is, um, oh, the best thing on that site is that it will help you appraise your dolls. Now, that's what I want to get into because it would seem like the dolls that came out 50 years ago oh. be going for big big bucks, yeah, right? absolutely. If you can find a vintage Barbie doll that in 1959 sold for $3. Yeah. You can make quite a bit of money. 
I right now on eBay, I just did a quick search before we started the show. Right. There are forty three thousand eight hundred and thirty nine Barbies available on eBay. My goodness. And a rare nineteen fifty nine original in the box is selling at right now at this bid. $14,600. Get out of here. I, I swear to God, that is the truth. That's a lot of money for a doll. <laughs> I know. They are so popular, though. And, I mean, if you can find them in mint condition, it, it really, it, it, it's, a, it's a collector's market out there. So you just look for those mint condition Barbies. Things that you want to avoid on your Barbie are um, discoloration. Right. Or because of the, the materials, that vinyl that she's made out of cracking, mm-hmm. especially like in the neck area or right. in the torso. You want to also look out for <clears throat> some kids, if they had younger sisters, or if they themselves were young when they got it, chewed on the Barbie. That all those things will then, you know, decrease the value. What about haircuts? <laughs> yeah, you don't want your dolls to have... <laughs> no, no home barbering is, is a good uh, thing to look at. You, you want to keep them in pristine condition. And if you did give your doll, I read about this, um... Other collectible dolls. They'll sell you replacement heads. You can. You can buy replacement heads, and those are also available on eBay. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. That's just macabre. It is a little weird when you start looking at body part type of thing, <laughs> like replacements. That gets a little scary. But there are so many different facets to collecting Barbies. Okay, let's get into some of that, because obviously collecting the original doll mm-hmm. is... Uh, is something that you'd want to do. And if you wanted to start doing that, you'd need a lot of money. If, you, if you're going to start collecting that way, yes. But but Mattel has made it kind of nice. They have started reproducing the vintage dolls. Uh-huh. So if you were a, you know, a little girl in the 1959 era and mm-hmm. wanted to start collecting, or just for your grandchildren, mm-hmm. they are going to have those reproduction vintage dolls out there. And for a short time this year, the Mattel is selling Barbies three dollars to commemorate what their original price was in 1959 now what would a, a barbie go for typically on the shelf today you can find i mean there's many different price points mm-hmm. um in bar and the mattel company has come out with a new structure so i think that would be a good thing to talk about right now okay they have a color tier system for their collector editions and they go from pink silver gold and platinum okay the pink level is really like the fun Barbie that are mass-produced, um, that your little girls would pick up. Mm-hmm. So those are probably around the range of 12 to $25. Okay. Then you have your silver level. For, now, these are getting into your collector, your unique Barbies. Only 50,000 of those of the silver line are manufactured in any given run. Okay. So those are, are limited. Your gold, 25,000 are manufactured, and that's it. And then your platinum, 1,000 units are manufactured, and that's it for the entire world. So it sounds like, sorry, the the Mattel people are really catering to the collectible industry. They really are. Well, you know, there's over 100,000 avid Barbie doll collectors. Wow. And 90% are women. They figure their average age is around 40, and they buy at least 25 Barbies per year. And that equates to, like, spending $1,000 on Barbie a year. Wow. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's, a, there's definitely a market. And the Mattel people, they are smart people. They're pretty they are, savvy marketers. They are catering to that collector's market. And it always seemed to me that from a marketing point of view anyway, that they were smart because they'd come out with, well, okay, now you got to buy Barbie some clothes. Now she needs a car. Now she needs a place to live. Right. Now she needs, um, I don't know, well, a, a, a big family. <laughs> <She> <laughs> and they all got to have stuff. Yeah. 
when I was a kid, there was even a jacuzzi. Oh there was a hand pump on the one side, and you would press it up and down, and bubbles would form in the little jacuzzi tub. It that, was the 80s. That's pretty cool. It was. It, yeah. It's kind of a fun toy. Yeah. <laughs> it's Web Talk Radio. It's the collector's show. We're talking about Barbie this week, commemorating 50 years of Barbie and Barbie collecting with our good friend Heather Gallegos. All right, now, no conversation about Barbie is complete without getting into the whole thing with Ken. What do you know about Ken? Anything? Well, Ken started in 1961. Okay. So Barbie was out for a couple years without a boyfriend, and then, then came Ken. Right. And it has been her, you know, perpetual boyfriend, the date for any major occasion that Barbie needs to go to. Now, did they ever get married or anything? Not that I know of. I, I didn't uncover anything like that in my research. Do they? Are they living together? <laughs> No, Barbie and Ken have never lived together. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. Now, when I was a little girl, my Barbie and Ken got married. Because okay. I had a wedding dress for my Barbie, and Ken had a tuxedo. So, you know. And, and that probably happened at least once a week. We'd have a little ceremony. That they got married? Yeah. I, I met little girls everywhere did yeah. stuff like that. But wasn't there a wedding Barbie? There is. There's a, Oh, there's been many wedding Barbies. Oh. In 1959, one of the original Barbies, came complete with a wedding dress mm -hmm. with the something borrowed, something blue, mm -hmm. something new. Yeah, so she had uh, even graduated pearls from her mother oh, was wow. part of that. Uh, a long cathedral-length train. It's very, <laughs> it's very realistic. Okay. The whole Barbie phenomenon, I guess we would call it, for lack of a better word. Well, I think it is. A, it's obviously a cultural phenomenon, and I want to talk a little bit about that because the Mattel people have received more than their share of criticism, not just over um, the kind of roles that Barbie plays. And then I want to talk about the talking Barbie before we uh, end the interview, but um, her proportions. She is a little unproportioned. Yeah, she I mean... Been, the Mattels, in fairness to them... They have changed her proportion. Okay. So I think that was going back more towards like the 1970 to 1980s Barbie. Okay. When she was top heavy, right? We'll say, yeah, she couldn't stand up under her own weight. Yeah. But she has been reconfigured, so it's not that same way anymore. Okay. And I think Barbie really is a good role model for girls. She has her own career. Okay, you got it. I got to stop you there. What does she do? She's a model. Oh, that's right. Okay, but that's not a career. <laughs> You can't retire when how many? Well, all right. I'm just not going to argue. Look at Tyra Banks, a media mogul. Okay. I just don't see that as. I don't know. Are there any PhDs in modeling? Well, I don't think it's like a academic exercise modeling, but okay. it's definitely a skill. Well, fair enough. It is a skill. And I mean, these are the people that sell us our products. Without models, I mean, one could argue: Would we really? be so media-focused. Would we ever buy underwear? Uh, right. Were it not for underwear models? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> but, but I mean, I think Tyra Banks is an excellent just example in modeling, not not equating her back to Barbie at all. But I'm okay. just saying, I think she's a very good role model for someone who is looking at that as a career, because look at what she's done. She's now has her own media empire. Yeah. So I, it is a career. Okay. It is definitely a career, and these people are professional. And, and I think Barbie has also shown that. I think, you know, as a little girl looking at it, yes, feminism can argue, or feminists, excuse me, can argue mm -hmm. that, you know, she just glamorizes good looks. Well, yeah. But there's been a lot of things. There's professional Barbies that are out there. There's a doctor Barbie. There's a school teacher Barbie. It's not just one-dimensional. Okay, and I think it's uh, 
to the credit of the Mattel people for being sensitive to those kinds of things and coming out with the different kinds of, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, outfits or costumes or career paths for her to take. That's right. She's very, there's very many facets to Barbie, okay. and that's the good thing. And I think it is interesting when you were saying she's a cultural role model. Right, or an icon. She was ranked number 43 on a USA Today poll of the top 101 most influential people who never lived. Wow. So she's in the top 50%. I'm going to bet Sherlock Holmes was on that list. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I don't know everybody who was on the list, and but yeah. Batman. Yeah, <laughs> Superman. <laughs> so, all those guys. All right, it's The Collector Show with Harold Nickel and Heather Gallegos talking about Barbie this week. Now, there's different types of Barbies for different geographies. Let's talk about that a little bit. Again, I think the Mattel people have been spot on and recognizing that different cultures have different expectations for dolls okay. or what, what is appropriate. So take, for example, in the Middle East, there is a Fulla doll, F-U-L-L-A. Right. She's marketed as an alternative to Barbie, and she comes complete with her own burqa. Okay. So, so you know, I mean, they've been very sensitive to that. And um, are, are there African-American Barbies? Yes. Oh, absolutely. African-American Barbies. Barbie has several friends who are African-American. Okay. Um, there are, for different European regions, there's a Spanish Barbie. I mean, they're, they're from all over, all different races. Okay. And actually, in 1980, the first Hispanic Barbie was okay. introduced. All right. Well, I, you know, I mean, the whole thing, uh, you know, I don't think any father or mom wants to, you know, give their kid a doll that doesn't necessarily look like they do. So, I kudos think, to them. I think they've been very sensitive to that fact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the future hold for Barbie? Any insight into that? Well, the Barbie website was launched in 1996, mm -hmm. and then in 1998, the Barbie's collector site was launched, and they just went through um, a renovation of those sites in, in the early 2000s. So I think Mattel really has their finger on the pulse of what's going on. They know their audience very well. They right. know who their collectors are. Um, I think they'll continue to cater to what they want. I mean, you've got major designers who, who create new fashion lines for Barbie. No right kidding. now, uh, Vera Wang, Bob Mackie, um, oh, let's see, Dior has created a line for Barbie. No kidding. Juicy Couture, they just came out with some new Barbies and, and their lines. I mean, I think they're very in touch with the trends. Not only does Barbie follow trends in, in the outfits that she wears, but I think sometimes she may even help in setting those trends huh. by, by the designers that are making new outfits for her. So, yeah, I think they're going to do a great job. They're really in touch with what their demographics and what they need to do to keep Barbie relevant. For the people who, uh, I mean, like so many collectors, I mean, you described the demographic was mostly women mm -hmm. and mostly uh, middle-aged women. <laughs> and the thing that we find, 40-year-old women, mm -hmm. I guess that's middle-aged, close enough. Anyway, <laughs> most of the collectors that we talk with and about on this program are people who are looking to recreate something from their childhood. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to bet that that's the same thing is true for the Barbie collectors. So if I'm a little older and I have a few extra dollars to spend and I want to go have that mm -hmm. Barbie experience that I had when I was a little girl, or in the case of some collectors, maybe never had the opportunity to have, what do you think would be a good place to start? Well, the, website, the websites are going to be your first place. That okay. Barbie's collector site. Start there. Like I said, you can appraise your dolls. You can add your collection online. Um, there's 
communities there so you can share information. Mm-hmm. They've also done, um, in the past, I don't see any information about upcoming, but conferences. So the last one that they had was in 2005. Okay. So they may be having others coming, just the news isn't out there yet. Um, but there are also many other people that just have random websites online where they have all their pictures and dolls and descriptions. So, so there's many websites out there. Right. There's also some books to think about. Oh, yeah. There's, that's what I was going to ask you about next is what's a good book? There's a really good book called Barbie Doll, Identification and Values. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was published by Jay Augustiniak, and that goes for about $12 on Amazon. Okay. There's also The Barbie Chronicles by Yona McDonough. And that's about $16. And then Barbie and Ruth, the story of the world's most famous doll Ah. and the woman who created her. And that's by Robin Gerber. That goes for about $20. Now, the other thing we have to mention, I want to ask about what Kim did for a living, but but Barbie had a dog too, didn't she? Yeah, she did have a dog. (laughs) It was a black, was it a black poodle? Yeah, oh yes, it was a black poodle. That is correct. I thought she had a black standard poodle. I yeah. had a black standard poodle. See, once again, the connection with Barbie. I'm telling you. It, it goes full circle. Now, what was the dog's name? Do you remember oh, that? I don't remember. Oh, okay. Barbie's dog. That's it. <laughs> okay, well, I just had to get, you know, big family, you know, a steady boyfriend, a good job, and a dog, and a cool car. That's right. For the Corvette. I had the Barbie Corvette, and at that time in the 80s, it even had little tiny cassettes that you could put into the player. That is so cool. They didn't play anything. They were plastic, but right. still. still. It was the whole image. It was a convertible Corvette. That's great. I I mean, I wouldn't mind having a convertible Corvette someday. Yeah. Well, this was kind of a dark pinkish color. You may not have wanted no, that I one. I probably don't want that. But it was lovely. Now, do you still have your Barbies? I do. do you... In cases. Okay. I don't have the original packaging because I was one of those kids that, you know, underneath the Christmas tree, everything was coming out of oh, the sure. package. Oh, sure. But I had um, many different cases so that if I went over to a friend's house, I could take my Barbies. And one case held eight dolls and then had another section to, um, in little hangers to put her outfits on and shoes. Wow. Yeah. It was a traveling fashion show when I was a kid. And that, it, it was great, right? Because you could play all afternoon but change different outfits. It was always a different story. That's... I had the dream house with an elevator. It was a three-story uh, dream house. Wow. I had quite a bit of Barbie stuff. I even had just a Barbie head, a very large head that you could put makeup on. Oh, wow. I know. It that, was great. But headless Barbie. <laughs> well, it was just the head. Just the head. <laughs> and you could set her hair. It was great. Well, it sounds. I'm sure for a, for a kid to play with, it was a lot of fun. It, it really was. It, it was. It was that little girl fantasy. Yeah. Well, that's fun. I mean, I'm glad uh, I've learned a lot because, um, you know, like I say, my sister had had Barbie, but I never played with them. Um, Are you sure? Uh, well, like I say, <laughs> as far as I'm willing to admit on the radio, I never there played with go. them. Never, ever, not once. No. <laughs> okay. Well, that's excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing information about Barbie and about collecting Barbie and um, for helping us commemorate 50 years of Barbie. Glad to do it, Harold. And Heather, we'll see you again next week with another found collectible of the week. Sounds good. In the meantime, thanks everybody for listening to The Collector's Show and keep collecting. If I had a million dollars If I had a million dollars Well, I'd buy you some art Thanks for listening to The Collector's Show. See you next week. If I had a million dollars I'd buy your love 
be rich How long 